0: Is our heart right with God? It's a great question. It's a great question. Have I done what is necessary to ensure that my heart is right with God? That's another question. We're glad you're here this evening, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance and thank you for being here. Those online, we thank you for being here as well. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. Our masterful and wonderful Heavenly Father, holy and righteous is your name. Hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for allowing us to know you. We're greater than that, that you know us. Oh God, we ask that you'll watch over our hearts. You'll keep Satan far from us. We might focus on you. We might focus on your word, your will, and your way, that we might rejoice. In our hearts continually, the idea of being with you forever in heaven. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us real and true hope. Thanking you for your grace and for your mercy. Thanking you for your son. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray these things and thank thee if it be that will. Amen. Let's wrap up uh, this uh, series on praising God with reasons to praise God, right? What, what are the reasons that uh, we should praise our God. So an explanation of the, of the beauty and greatness of God is, is to think about His marvelous Word. Why is God so good? You know, kind of a thought. Um, he's good even to His enemies. He's, he's so good to all of us. Why is God worthy to be praised? I want to start in 1 John Chapter 4, beginning at verse 9. We praise God because of his steadfast love. We have never known love like the love of God. In fact, the world has never known love like the steadfast love of God. There is nothing to be compared to it. As much as we love each other, we love our spouses, we love our parents, our family, there's no love like the steadfast love of God. First John 4, verse 9, the Bible says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. It's not our love for God that's great. It's the fact that God loved us first. 1 Timothy, please, uh, chapter 1. It's not only that God loved us first, God loves us more than we will ever love Him. You know what God would desire of humans? That we would just love Him back. Just love Him back, right? 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all is trustworthy you can you can trust this you can know this to be true titus chapter 3 that christ came to save you christ came to save me it is a trustworthy fact and that's love titus 3 beginning at verse 3 the Bible says, For we also, once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. And this is an amazing list, right? And you go to Romans, there's another list, and you, you look at that and you go, Wait a minute. Yeah, I got to admit, I struggle with some of those things. And God still died for us. God still Loved us, regardless of who we've been and what we've done. That's steadfast love. That is amazing. Verse 4 says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing, By the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. So that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Praise him because of his amazing loving kindness. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And when you think about the amazing loving kindness, he loved the world. But think about how much more God loves those who have surrendered to him. Those who have obeyed him. Think about that for just a moment. I mean, he loves the world for God so loved the world. God has an amazingly special relationship. With those who have surrendered their will for His will, to His will, in order to please Him, to love Him, to love Him back. Isaiah 40 and verse 28, the question, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gave strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And that word Lord, again, Yahweh, right? Wow. That amazing relationship. That we have with Jesus. He gives us just enough strength. To make it one more day. Right? To make it through today. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. To just continue to fight the good fight of faith. And you may say. Well preacher I'm tired. And I say. The Lord will give you just enough strength. To make it through today. Just give it all to Jesus. He is faithful. We praise God because he's faithful. You you cannot find truth faithfulness outside of Christ. You you can't find it outside of God. Listen to what he promises us. But if we walk, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have not sinned, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we continue Or confess, excuse me, our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, there's nothing shameful about confessing sins. God is faithful. Verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make of a liar and his word is not in us. God is faithful. Second Timothy chapter 2. Beginning at verse 11. He's not only faithful, he's trustworthy. This is a trustworthy statement. Verse 11. For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful For he cannot deny himself. It's a trustworthy statement. Job thirty-eight, Job chapter thirty-eight. My brother brought this out in Bible class this morning. I I said, "Well, he's kind of preaching my sermon, you know." But that's all right. Job thirty-eight. We ought to stand in awe of God. Why are we we to praise God? Reasons to praise God? We ought to stand in awe of God. When I think of Job 38, I want to look at it in two different segments, if you will. Uh, The first one, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Can you imagine being there that day after everybody's been discussing the open dialogue about God? Who's right? Who's wrong? Why is Job, why is God doing this to Job? And all the whole, the whole discussion in the book of Job. And then all of a sudden, out of a tornado, (laughs) God shows up and starts talking. (laughs) Not the gentle, quiet voice that we love in Elijah while he's in the cave. No, God came and spoke from the whirlwind. So you can imagine the power of his voice that thundered when he spoke to Job. You got a question for me, Job? You want to find fault with me, Job? No, sir. <laughs> Look at chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. Elihu, he speaks, he says, At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. I always looked at Elihu when he starts speaking as, <clears throat> excuse me, an introduction to God. Like he's going to say, here he comes. Because <laughs> right? you know, the young man stands up finally and he speaks. And he starts talking about the rumbling of God's voice. And then God shows up and speaks in a whirlwind. Verse 3. Under the whole heaven, he lets it loose. And his lightning to the ends of the earth after it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice. He does not restrain the lightning When his voice is heard, God thunders with his voice, wondrously doing great things which we cannot comprehend. You ever seen a a lion in the midst of a thunderstorm? You talk about a crouching, fearful animal. That animal just goes down to the ground as closely as possible when that lightning strikes and when that thunder roars. I remember going into my basement Having to hide from amazing thunderstorms that came through in Maryland. Imagine standing there and talking to God after you've been complaining about being unjustly treated. <laughs> yeah. Turn to chapter forty-one. Chapter forty-one of Job. Praise God. Praise God that He made this 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 beast. I guess it's a it's a dragon, right? The Leviathan of some sort, some, some, some super powerful animal. And, and he made the animal to be feared. And later he would say, if you fear that thing, I made it. <laughs> right? Right? Listen to what he says about the Leviathan in verse 1 of Job 41. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? Or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose? Or pierce his jaw with A hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Or will he speak to you in soft words? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take from him a servant forever? Or take him for a servant, excuse me, forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you bind him with your maidens? Will the traders bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you feel his skin? With his harpoons. Or his head with fishing spears. Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. <laughs> and he says, I know you're afraid of that thing because that thing flies around here. You keep reading and he flies and he has, you know, fires coming from his mouth and all those things. I made him. You fear him? I made him, God says. We ought to stand in awe of our God. I'll tell you why we should, uh, praise God. Turn to Isaiah 55. Because of His infinite wisdom. His wisdom is just, it, it's too rich, too great, too, too amazing for us to even, even fathom. And that's why we should not only praise Him, but surrender to Him and, and, and just let Him have His way because God knows what He's doing. Right? Every step of the way, God knows what he's doing. In my life, God knows what, I may not always like it, but God knows what he's doing. Always. His wisdom is beyond our understanding. In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, uh, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God is speaking, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I remember asking the question, you know, is, was, was was it execution on the cross the only way? Obviously, right? Because that was the choice of God. It was the only thing that we could understand. It was the only way that God could wake us up. It was the only way that we could understand a true sacrifice that's heavenly and nowhere else. And nothing else, but greatness, true greatness. Verse 10 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Am I listening? Romans 11. It's kind of interesting that every first day of the week we partake of the Lord's Supper. And it's a—it's actually a, everyone is a, you know, I, we don't think of it in this way, but everyone, every member of the church is a preacher. Every member, every, every single one of you. Male, female, every one of us. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we proclaim something. It's a public proclamation that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and he's coming back. Whether they listen or not doesn't even matter. It's still the same thing. It's a public proclamation. We're telling the world what God wanted us to, whether they listen or not. God's wisdom is infinite and aboundingly powerful. Verse 33, it says, Romans 11, Oh, the depth His wisdom is infinite. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning at verse 23. What do you say about God's greatness? Right here, Danny. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the call, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Wow. And we thought we were smart. We ought to praise God, because God is not to be questioned, nor is God to be completely understood. We're not going to understand, right? There's so many things that we're just not going To understand. Back to Job, please. Chapter 38. We're not going to understand it because we're finite. Because we're selfish. Because we as human beings, we want things our way. That's why. You know, what is it? Burger King's slogan. We we do it your way. That's how we want life to be. We want everything to be our way. You know, give me what I want the way that I want it, God. But that's not how it's going to work. right? will never understand God fully. God is not a God to be questioned. Nor is He a God to be fully understood. He's a God to be praised and obeyed. Job 38 again, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? When we began to question God, We must remember that we have no clue. We have no clue of what it's like to be God. To make the decisions that God has to make. To do the things that God does. We don't have a clue. We don't like to admit it because we're prideful people. We have no understanding when it comes to the will of God, the work of God. We have no understanding of it. All we're supposed to do is just surrender to it and know that God is right. I'll tell you something else. We're not qualified to question God. We're not even smart enough. It doesn't matter what college you've gone to. It doesn't matter what kind of degree we have. We're not smart enough to question God. See, these, these three men were wise men, right, supposedly. They thought they were smart enough to question God. And God puts it into perspective and says, you're not even in the same league as me human being, we got to remember that. God is not a God to be questioned nor fully understand, but rather a God to be praised and obeyed. Job chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord said to Job, with a fault finder, contend with the Almighty. And I'm sad to say, brother, that's kind of where a lot of members are. You know, we just, we get angry at God. We don't like God. We, we get frustrated at God. We're, we're contending with God because, you know, look at my life and why can't I have this and why can't I have that and, and why are the wicked prospering and why this and why that? We're always finding fault with God. Don't you know he gave us the book of Job for that reason? See, you don't find fault with God. There's nothing wrong with God. The problem is who? It's you. It's me. That's where the problem is. Remember, remember Hebrews 8? It talks about that, you know, uh, Hebrews 7 and going into chapter 8. And he starts talking about the law. And then he says, well, you know, there wasn't a need for the second one. But the problem was the first one had faults. And if you stop reading, you go, see, God messed up. No, you keep reading and God says the fault wasn't with me. The fault was with them. Right? It goes on. Let him who reproves God answer it. And then God continues to ask these questions, you know, to Job, right? Chapter 42. Someone says, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to God about this, and I'm going to ask God about that. I, I, think, I think the day of judgment, and we stand before God, is going to look a little more like Job 42, beginning in verse 1. It says... And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me? I have heard of thee by... The hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees thee. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. I really messed up. So when we start thinking about, about life, just praise God. right? Just find it in your heart. Find it in, in the reality of your life. You have more reasons to praise God than you'll ever remember. Psalm, please, chapter 22. God is not a God to be questioned or fully understood. God is a God to be praised. And I love when, when people, you know, argue with me about, no, I'm going to ask, I, I want to know, I'm, you know, I need to know this. And I, if, you, if you need to know it, he, he'd reveal it to you, right? I know there's a cure for COVID. Well, I mean, there is. When God's ready, he'll reveal it to us. You can study all you want to until it's revealed. It's not going to be found. I know God can do this. Yeah, he, God can do as he chooses. But it's not until he's ready to do it <laughs> will it happen. All right. Praise God. Praise God in the highest. God is worthy to be praised. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful and praising God that God has reserved his um, His wrath for his enemy. <laughs> I, I am so thankful that, that God has done that. And, I, and I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for. And praising God, you and I can all, both admit, every person in the whole world can all admit that God has never let us down. Ever. Because God doesn't let people down. Psalm 22 and verse 22. I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise thee. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. You ever had anyone ask you the question? you know, And they're children of God and and they're struggling and they're faithful. Why isn't God listening to me? God always hears our prayers. Always. Always. Because God is not a God who will forsake you. For that, he's worthy of being praised. Hebrews, please, chapter 10. He reserves his anger, his wrath for the wicked. He reserves his vengeance for the wicked. Thank you God for that. I gotta make sure I don't fall on that end of the stick, right? Verse 26. Church, this one you ought to to read like over and over again, right? Commit this one to memory. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Kind of scary, huh? Kind of makes me think about the way I'm living my life. Am I living my life in a willfully sinful way? But a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which consumes the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses without, uh, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think it would deserve who has trampled on the foot the Son of God? And has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sacrificed and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay again. The Lord will judge his people. Listen to this next verse. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Brother, we don't want to be there. Praise God that he gave us a way out, right? Turn to Romans, please, chapter 2. Praise God that he gave everyone a way out of this terrible, terrifying, fantastic, and fabulous and awesome day. The vengeance of God. Praise God he gave us a way out, church. You know what? You know what's hindering us? Stubbornness. Right, Just kind of stubborn. And and, and the text says in Romans 2, in verse 4, speaking of of wickedness and evil, and he says, "Or, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Remember Romans 1, right? Romans 1 is written to the Gentiles. And he's talking about the Gentiles. You know, the Gentiles, they're living wickedly. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. A four-footed animals are giving themselves over to impurity and, and horrible ways of living. Man exchanged uh, the natural function of a man for that of a woman, etc. Right? He goes on and talks about this. And then he goes on with invention. They invented evil, right? And, and even though he knew it was wrong, they gave party approval to those who do so. And then he goes into chapter 2 and he goes, oh, you know, the Jews, if you will, reading this and going, ah, oh, there you go, God, get those Gentiles. And in chapter 2, verse 1, he goes, wait a minute, you Jews, right? Now I'm going to talk to you. And he starts talking to the Jews in chapter 2 and says, they're also without excuse. The Gentiles are without excuse. The Jews are without excuse. Chapter 3, the whole world's without excuse. And now in verse 4, he says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of vengeance, excuse me, the day of wrath and revelation, of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So... And wrapping this up, am I praising God or am I dishonoring God by the way that I live my life? By the words that I speak in the streets. As we look around and see injustice, am I tempted to be unjust myself? I'll show you. You want to see wickedness? I'll show you how to be wicked and evil. See, God promises revenge on the wicked. We don't have to take out our own revenge. You don't do that. You pray, right? Turn to John chapter 14. Stay true to God. And just keep on praising Him. As as terrible as, as this world might be, Righteous Lot was tormented every day by the things he saw and heard. And he stayed faithful and true. Stay faithful and true to God. God who is is our shield and our provider and our protector and our healer and the hope that we have is in our God and in Christ Jesus, our Savior. God is benevolent. Think about that. He is benevolent. How benevolent? We read it this morning. Think about it. Genesis 1. He said, I'm giving you everything. I gave you the whole earth. What? All of this? It's all yours. Wow. God's worthy to be praised. He says, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not just going to give you all this. i got something else in store for you. If you surrender to me in the waters of baptism, if you come to Jesus, hearing his word and believing and confessing his name, having godly sorrow in your heart, be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, and then stay faithful and true to God until the end. He says, I've got something for you. You think the world is something. Watch it. I'm going to give you. You've read it. John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go to prepare a place. I wonder sometimes about that verse because, you know, you you think, well, heaven's already made, right? But it's not until he came and lived as a man to experience manlike things and then he goes and prepares a place, or prepares a place. But he, but he knows. But but it's not until he came down to the earth and 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 became a man and lived like man and was tempted by evil and and had gone through the struggles he's gone through and later will be executed. And then he says, "I want you to know, I'm going to prepare a place for you." Thank you, God. And if I go, verse 3, to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. God is a God of hope. And so we have our confidence in Him. doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter what we struggle with. We're going home when we leave this place, but you gotta stick with him until the end. The lesson is yours, if we can help it anyway, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come, God bless you. Calling today, why from the sunshine of love wilt thou wrong? Father and Father away, calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling.